Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. Hey, good morning, everyone. Thanks for braving the, the snow. Uh, it does look really beautiful out there. I'm sure it'll be interesting. Be careful as you go. Don't slip. Um, good morning to those joining us on live stream. Hope you're having a wonderful, uh, wonderful morning. Uh, this weekend, we're going to be embarking on a new series you can see there on the screen called The Apocalypse of Jesus Christ. And over the next 12 weeks, we're going to be making our way through the, uh, the last book of the Bible, which is entitled Revelation. And I started reading Revelation when I was a boy. I think uh, partly because uh, my dad, I, I think my dad was read it a lot, was really fascinated by it, and he would talk about it. Uh, partly because in, chapter, in the first chapter, it says that anyone who reads the words of this prophecy will be blessed. I wanted a new bike. And uh, <laughs> I know how to work things. But also, also because it's unlike any other book in the Bible. Uh, I sometimes wonder if my love for science fiction books, I love science fiction, uh, came from reading Revelation as a, as a young man. Uh, this book is, or to say it's bizarre is not at all disrespectful. To say that this book is bizarre actually is very accurate. In Revelation, we're going to meet a man clothed in a robe with eyes of flame and face shining like the sun, a great red dragon with ten horns and seven heads, a beast from the sea and a beast from the earth, uh, creatures who have eyes in the front and the back. There's going to be earthquakes, stars falling, locusts as big as horses. And then there's the main character of the whole book, a lamb with seven horns and seven eyes. What? What is that? It's like I said, it's bizarre. It really is a bizarre book. Um, here at VCDC, we've, we've never done a series on the entire book. Uh, maybe after this one, we'll find out why we've never done that. But uh, we have looked at chapter two and three, where there are the, the seven letters to the, to the seven churches. But beyond that, we have not, uh, we have not ventured. Uh, personally, I've shied away from, from doing a series on this book because it is so different and so challenging, such, uh, so much confusing imagery. I've also shied away because... Uh, since the 1970s, when I, you know, again, as a little boy, started reading it, it seems like every five to ten years, each new generation has tried to pull uh, revelation into the current affairs of their time. Or, or, or to plug into the storyline of the book, the, you know, the global leaders of their time. In my humble opinion, I, I think the book of Revelation has, has not always been, uh, been handled well. One of the reasons why Andrew kicked off the year uh, with our How to Study the Bible series was really to, uh, to get us ready to wade into the challenging waters of, of Revelation. And if you missed any of those talks, they were excellent, super helpful. Uh, you can go to our website, vcdc.org, to check those out. And we'll refer back to those uh, as we go through this series. Now, uh, I know that we have many studiers of the Bible in this church, which is awesome. My hope, my prayer is that from the youngest to the oldest, we'll be a church that we're all reading the Bible. Uh, but I also know that some of you studiers have put a lot of focus, a lot of time into studying the book of Revelation, which again, that's awesome. But I want to say to that group right from the top, 
Just my little disclosure. Uh, we're not going to cover every verse. We're not going to cover every section of Revelation. And so consequently, there's a good chance that we won't scratch every uh, eschatological itch, if you will. That's a, that's a uh, Scrabble score there, a big letter. But, but that you might have, right? This is, but understand, this isn't the only time we're going to go through this book. Uh, down the road, we'll circle back and we'll, we'll go through Revelation again. So, okay, that said, though, I'm curious how many of you uh, just be honest, would say, I have never read from start to finish the book of Revelation. Put your hand up high. I love it. This is great. No, I, I think that's awesome. <laughs> Here's what I would encourage. Here's what I would encourage all of us to do, studiers or not. Um, start reading the book of Revelation. It will be weird. It, it, it is bizarre. But as we're embarking on this series, it's going to be really helpful if you just start reading through it. You get to the end of chapter 22, I encourage you, just go back Start reading it again. Uh, like any series we do, if, as we're going through the series, if we stir up questions, uh, let us know. Reach out, and uh, as always, Andrew will be in touch to answer your questions. Okay, so if Revelation, if, if it is such a confusing, often misinterpreted book that really many pastors, uh, not just myself, um, have shied away from, well then, why are we going to be giving the next 12 weeks to this book? Well, there's lots of reasons, but two I'm going to share with you. Um, on, for me personally, I've been debating in my mind, I would say almost two years, like, should we do a series? Shouldn't we do a series? Should we? You know, sort of going back and forth. And one of my morning routines when I get up before I do my Bible reading in the morning is I quote uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17. Uh, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped uh, for every good work. And one morning last summer, I quoted that just like I just, just did here. I say it out loud. And uh, right after saying that, I sort of turned to my Bible to jump into my reading. And I, and, and I felt like God, felt like God said to me, hey, uh, uh, what you just said do you think that also applies to Revelation? And, and I knew I was cornered right away. And I said, well, of course. Of course I do. And then the sense I had was that God was like, well, well then why don't, you, uh, why don't you do a series on it? And so here we are. So the first reason is I believe God has invited us into this. Reason number two, a more practical reason. I was introduced to a book early last year you can, uh, called Discipleship on the Edge, an expository journey through the book of Revelation. It's by a guy named Daryl Johnson. He's been a pastor for uh, 50 plus years. You can go to the next slide here. Here's a picture of the book and of Mr. Johnson. Uh, like I said, pastor, 50 plus years, seminary professor. He's been studying Revelation for 30 plus years. And consequently, he's written this book. And uh, a, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was there. But a, a pastoral commentary on Revelation. I'm on my second time through the book. It's such a good book. It's such a helpful book. He is very committed to staying anchored in God's word. If you remember what Andrew was saying the last couple of weeks, he's, he's very respectful to the original context. He's very respectful to the original uh, audience. Uh, he's really honest as a writer to say he doesn't know when the passage doesn't, uh, isn't clear as to its meaning. He's really uh, quick to say this, hey, look, this is my opinion on certain sections. Uh, I enjoy that he's not trying to pull revelation into our time, into our current affairs. When I first started reading the book, 
Uh, there was a section in the preface that really grabbed me. Here's what it said. Uh, Revelation is not a crystal ball revealing esoteric secrets that enable one to escape the harsh realities of life on earth. I had to look up esoteric. Uh, basically, that's like hidden meanings only found by the biblical elite. But rather, Revelation is a down-to-earth manual on how to be a disciple of Jesus. Facing the harsh realities of life on the earth, in particular, how to do this the way Jesus did and does. And when I read that as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus, that just grabbed me so deeply. And I thought, what? I've never, I've never heard of Revelation uh, described as a discipleship manual. Right? It was more like a science fiction book, right? That's more how it's been described. I've never heard it described as a pastoral letter that's been written to everyday followers of Jesus who are just doing their best, trying to keep their eyes on Jesus, trying to stay in step with Jesus while they're living in a broken world with a very real enemy. So as we go through Revelation, we're going to be using uh, Daryl Johnson's book as, as a guide um, the order was supposed to come in on Friday, but we, so we don't have any books on the book cart. Uh, I think on Amazon, they're quite expensive, um, but so we'll have some for next week and we'll, uh, we, we will uh, have those for sale. So if you want to pick one up, okay? So let's pray. And then we're going to jump into Revelation. Let's pray. So Lord, I thank you that, well, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the, uh, for the foundation you've given us with your word. I thank you that all scripture including revelation, is God-breathed, meaning it's, it's your word. And so I pray, Lord, would you meet us as a church family as we go through this challenging book? Would you teach us? Would you rebuke us? Would you correct us? Would you train us? Lord, that we would be equipped, fully equipped to do the good works you've given us to do. Uh, we welcome you here. I pray that you would put power on, on this series, Lord. Just come meet us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you can turn in your Bibles, Revelation 1. Today's talk really is very foundational. Uh, you'll see what I mean. But we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 12. They'll be up, uh, it'll be on the screens. You can follow along. Let me read that to us. <clears throat> Chapter 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words, woo, that's me, <laughs> of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it, woo, that's you. And take uh, to heart, well, that's important, what is written in it, because the time is near. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever, amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, 
your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom, <clears throat> excuse me, in patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, VCDC, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw. <clears throat> so we're off. Here we go. Okay, my goal today is really, I said foundational, but my goal is, is to lay down some ground rules that are going to help us stay on track as we go through Revelation. Just side note, Revelation was written right around 96 AD by John the disciple, John the uh, who referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. John wrote the Gospel of John. He also wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John the Epistle. So put that over here. But the first ground rule to guide us, super important, number one is we must honor the title. We must honor the title of the book. Now the title of the final book of the Bible is not Revelations, and it's not even Revelation. You're like, wait a minute, that's what it says in my Bible. Well, yeah, but remember, those titles were put in the Bible long after these letters, these books were written. Uh, it's not even the, the Revelation of John, although John did uh, write it all down. The title is found in, in the first section of the first verse, and basically it's this. It's the Revelation of Jesus Christ. That's the title, the Revelation of Jesus Christ. The title sets the tone and the goal of the book of Revelation, meaning this book, Revelation, it's about a person. It's the revelation of a person, of Jesus, of Jesus Christ. The last book of the Bible focuses really on the goal of the entire Bible, and that is to focus in on Jesus and who he is and, and the works that he's done. I remember hearing someone say, uh, you can summarize the Old Testament with, uh, he is coming. And then you can summarize the New Testament with, he, he is here, he is here, he is coming, he is here. That's the Bible, it's summarizing the entire Bible. And, and of course, he is Jesus. And if that's accurate, then doesn't it make sense that the last book of the Bible would focus on the one that the entire book has been longing for? to focus on, on, on Jesus. We must honor the title. Uh, remember that the New Testament was originally written in Greek. And so to honor the title, we need to look at, okay, what, what's the original word for that word revelation? That's a very key word in the title. The original Greek word is apocalypsis, which means an uncovering or a revealing. And from that word, uh, we get the word apocalypse. So we more accurately, we could say the title of the book or the, really, the, thus the title of the series, is The Apocalypse, The Apocalypse of Jesus Christ. And now, in our time and culture, wouldn't you agree that when we hear the word apocalypse, we associate that, associate that with something bad, right? I mean, it's going to be an apocalyptic snowstorm, Right? I mean, that, whether it's like some natural disaster or, whether, or war, apocalypse now. You know, it's like, like, and, and, I, and I get that, but you know what? That's not what the word means. Uh, a more accurate word or a couple words in those situations would be like catastrophic or cataclysmic. But, 
but apocalyptic is not the right word in those, in those situations. Andrew mentioned last week that the primary genre of revelation is uh, apocalyptic. It's, a, it's apocalyptic literature, which means it's more eschatological in nature. Eschatology is the study of, of like last things or the, you know, the end of things or the, the end of one age and the, be, the beginning of another age. Andrew also said that apocalyptic genre is loaded with imagery and symbolism. And so it needs to be read that way. And I think you made the reference that you read it more like the Chronicles of Narnia, where there's lots of imagery, et cetera, uh, et cetera. We'll talk more about that. He also said that apocalyptic writings were common in the Bible times, meaning that when first century people heard, hey, there's going to be an apocalypse, their response wouldn't be, oh no, better batten down the, you know, better call my insurance. Or, or like, like it's, that's not how they would respond. If they heard there was going to be an, you know, an apocalypse, they would say, awesome, finally, bring it on. This is great. Another way to define apocalypse is the removal of the cover of a box, the opening of a door or a window, or a pulling back of a curtain. This is super important. An apocalypse is a good thing because it means that what has always been there has now been made visible. The curtain's been pulled back. We can see what has always been there. So us honoring the title of the book, this is super foundational as we move through the book. Let me put this all together. If, if, you know, if the title of this book is The Apocalypse of Jesus Christ, another way to say that is the title is The Removal of the Cover or The Opening of the Door or the pulling back of the curtain on Jesus Christ. The goal, the goal of this book is that it's readers that we would see Jesus more clearly, that we would see the one who was, who is, and who is to come more clearly. That's, that's honoring the title of the book. If we keep that in mind, uh, as we proceed, that's going to help us keep on track, especially if we get into some of, the, some of the more crazy stuff. So number one is honor the title. Number two is a, a general point, more helpful ground rules for reading Revelation. Uh, apocalyptic literature really has two purposes, two purposes for the benefit of the, of, and the encouragement of the people uh, you know, who are receiving the apocalypse. First purpose is this, is to set the present moment in light of the unseen realities of the future. Does that make sense? It does to me because I'm reading it right now. But let me say it again, because this is super important, to set the present moment in light of the unseen realities of the future. Well, what do I mean? Well, one of the ways that we're meant to encourage one another as Christians is to remind one another of the promises of God, of the future promises of God. You're going through a hard time. Life, well, life is hard. And really, this side of heaven, life will continue to be hard. But one of the ways we encourage each other is, hey, hey, this isn't it for you. Like, really, this life that we're living is hard and as challenging and as confusing as it is. It's just a ramp up. It's just a warm up to eternity. And so we are meant to draw present encouragement from that future, from the future province or promise. Uh, in Revelation, the curtain is pulled back revealing future events, primarily about Jesus. And what does it reveal? It reveals that Jesus is coming again. And he's coming back and he's going to bring a new heaven. He's going to bring a new earth. He's going to destroy evil and he's going to make everything right again. And if we get just, if we get just a glimpse of that future, 
It is meant to shape and influence the way we understand and live in the present moment. Does that make sense? I, that's good. I thought I heard a few. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Okay, so again, first purpose, apocalyptic literature, to set the present moment in light of the unseen realities of the future. Second purpose is to set the present moment in light of the unseen realities of the present, not the future, of the present. What I mean by this is, as human beings, our sight, our sight is so limited, right? It is so limited. We look at the world around us. We look, you know, we listen to, look at the news. We uh, look at our culture that just seems to be changing so rapidly. We look at our lives. We look at our struggles. And without an apocalypse, without a pulling back of the curtain, we're not able to see what is actually, what is really going on around us in this present moment. Uh, so for instance, Ephesians six twelve says this, for our struggle, our struggle in our present moment, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The Bible teaches that there's a very real realm, a spirit realm, that just because we can't see it, doesn't mean it's not there and it's not real. In fact, the Bible teaches that what we can see with our eyes is is actually temporary. And what we can't see with our eyes, the spirit realm, is actually permanent. It is eternal. So what does that mean? That means then that in this room right now, and you know, for those of you online in whatever room you're in as you're eating your pancakes, um, That means that there's a lot going on that we can't see, right? That means that there are, you know, there's a spiritual battle going on in this room right now. There are demonic forces trying really hard to keep us from tuning into the goodness of God and from us us understanding that he really does love me just the way I am. And he wants me to to be in a relationship with him and he wants to forgive me and he wants to help me and he wants to, you know, on and on and on. There's, there are demonic forces working in this room trying to bring tension and division between husbands and wives. There's, you know, demonic forces trying to bring tension and division, you know, in, in families, in relationships. There are demonic forces trying to uh, make people, keep people sick in this room whether it's physically or emotionally. Now, that's the bad news. The good news is this. There are many times more angelic forces, besides God himself, who are here in this room actively protecting uh, and working to deliver us from those demonic forces. Now, that's just in this room. So what I just said you know, applies not just to this room, it applies to planet Earth. So just imagine that what we can't see going on on planet Earth, so when you consider the evils of the war in the Ukraine... When you consider the evils of human trafficking, of you know, uh, refugees, people forced to flee their homelands for their lives, for their safety, uh, the evils of addictions and the evils of you know, just gender issues, confusion, all these things, sickness, depression, on and on and on and on. Understand that there's a global spiritual battle that's raging, whether we, whether we see it or, or not. But when we have an apocalypse... When the curtain's pulled back to the reality of the spiritual battle, you know, the the power that is behind all that's going on, it's incredibly helpful. And it's a reminder that, hey, wait a minute, our battle is not with flesh and blood. 
our battle is not against people, right? And so what does that mean? That means it's, it's a reminder that, you know, the heart of God and the calling on the church is, is to rescue people from the demonic forces that are trying to use them and destroy them. Our battle is not with them, it's with the forces of evil. And when we see this more clearly, it helps us to respond and live in those present situations. So second purpose of the apocalyptic, of apocalyptic literature is to set the present moment in light of the unseen realities of the present. Is that making sense? Would you buy my book? Okay. Huh. <laughs> it would have pictures. Okay. Okay, another ground rule, another ground rule that will help keep us on track is to be aware of the nature of John's experience. Uh, Book of Revelation actually has multiple genres. It's not just apocalyptic, although it is, it's, it's, it definitely is that. It's also prophetic. It's prophetic literature. In, in the verse I read earlier in chapter one, you know, blessed are those who read the words of this prophecy. It's also a prophetic. It's a a revealing of God's plans. But here's something I love about Revelation is that it also is a pastoral letter, right? And we'll talk about more about this next week. But John, uh, John was a leader. John was a pastor who pastored a lot of people. He pastored a lot of a lot of churches. And so on the island of Patmos, when he had this apocalypse, he has this, this experience. Uh, he was instructed to write it all down and to send it to these, to these seven churches. And, and so really chapter one, verse four, where it says, John to the seven churches, da, 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 da. If you've read any of the New Testament letters, that's the, the same language, the same structure of, of a, the epistles, like the New Testament letters that John uses. So really one, verse four, all the way to 22, six-ish, that is a long letter. Revelation actually is the longest pastoral letter in the Bible. That's a long letter that John, you know, that John wrote down, sent to these churches. And if you remember last week, Andrew was saying that, you know, the purpose of these letters was that, or, or what they would do with these letters is that they would read them as a gathered church family. They would read them in their entirety. I mean, I just, can you imagine reading this to the people say, whoa, I don't know. I don't know, John. I don't know what's going on in Patmos, but, but it just would have been very bizarre, okay? But it would have been a letter read to the people. I also want to point out what John in this letter, uh, in Revelation, was instructed to do. And verse 11, 11 says this. He's told to write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches. Now, this is really important. At least 26 times in Revelation, uh, John uses the phrase, I saw, I saw, I saw. And that, and that kind of language means John was basically being a witness. He was being a witness to what God was showing him. And what, you know, what's the role of a witness? Uh, basically, a, a witness is meant to, hey, tell us what you saw. Tell us what you heard, right? And the judge, no, 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 no. We don't, no, we don't want you to interpret it. We just want you to tell us what you saw, et cetera, et cetera. And I think there's only a few times in this book that either Jesus or an angel actually interprets for John, explains uh, what's going on or what something means. So this is important. John was simply telling them, telling us what he saw. It's also important uh, to keep in mind as we go through Revelation that the vision John has, it doesn't roll out chronologically. Right when he's 96 AD, he's writing this all down. Uh, it you know there's there's events that he refers to that happen not only after that time, but there's events that happen before that time, like the you know the Exodus from Egypt, the 
uh, Babylonian captivity, the birth of Jesus, the destruction, uh, the destruction of the temple. And so as we move through the book, the correct question to ask is not, hey, I wonder what happens next. But rather, the correct question is, hey, I wonder what did John see next? So let's, let's talk a little bit more about what John did see. I'm almost done. Uh, I said earlier that uh, we're going to be using Daryl Johnson's book as a guide uh, for this series. And this is one of the places, what I'm going to say next, where I'm going to share, this is his opinion, okay? This is his opinion uh, as to the nature of what John saw. Verse 10, John says this. He says, on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. Verse 12, he continues, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw. Now, I think this is really cool. By focusing in on the fact that John on the island of Patmos has this experience where he heard something behind him. Meaning it wasn't just like a voice in, in his head. No, it, was, it, was, it definitely was a voice, but it was a voice so real uh, that he actually turned around to see what it was. And, and Johnson's point in this is that John, John wasn't just having some inner mystical you know, experience sort of on the screen of his imagination, but rather he was seeing a very real drama, like literally played out right, right in front of him. You know, Johnson, in, in Johnson's opinion, uh, John was witnessing, experiencing, and then writing down a, a, an actual drama that God put on for him. A drama that has many acts, uh, many different scenes, uh, many different characters, but we see the same characters show up a lot as we go through Revelation. But he said that they, they change costumes as we go through uh, the different scenes. And being true to the apocalyptic genre, the drama is filled with imagery, metaphor, on and on and on. And understand that the imagery found in Revelation, it wouldn't have been new to the original audience. Like new to us, very bizarre to us, but, but not to them. In Revelation, the Old Testament is qu quoted 150 times. Uh, the, re uh, the Old Testament is alluded to 250 times in Revelation. There's such a deep drawing from the Old Testament. Listen, listen to this. Eugene Peterson said this about Revelation. He said, I do not read Revelation to get additional information about the life of faith in Christ. I've read it all before in law and prophet, Old Testament, and in gospel and epistle, New Testament. I read Revelation not to get more information, but to revive my imagination. That's really interesting. And I think what we can learn from that, and we need to, that's, that's a caution, what I mean is, it's important as we, as we look at Revelation that we, we are first, we need to hold it up against the Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament. If we quickly hold it up against our current affairs, we can get off base so quickly. Okay, is this making sense? Amen. Woo, amen, I like that. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, I'm gonna, almost, almost done. I know that's a lot of information, and in the weeks to come, we're going to loop back on these ground rules because they're super helpful. Why don't we have the worship team come back? I'm going to end off with two, two reminders as we, as we get into this series. First one is this. Again, just, just that we're to honor the title of this book. We need to keep that in mind all the way through, that it is the revelation, the apocalypse of Jesus Christ. The goal of this book is it's about a person. It's that we would see Jesus Christ 
clearer and clearer and clearer as we go through it. The second point, uh, for us to see what John saw, we must approach this book with the appropriate posture. What do I mean by that? Verse 10, John said this. He said, on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit, dot, 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 and then I saw, right? And I think another way to, to say that might be like this. At church this last Sunday, while I was worshiping, I saw. What we're gonna see uh, uh, next week and as we get into the, the heart of Revelation more is really the, at the foundation of Revelation, the question in this book is John is saying to the people, these churches that are reading this, these, this letter, it's a question of, hey, in this life, in this moment, who will you worship? This book is all about worship. And I don't mean like, who will you sing a, song, a nice song to? That's a part of worship. But I mean, who will, you, who will you live your life for in this moment? Who will you give your life for in this moment? Who will you worship? Who will you submit to? Who will you bow down to? Who will you uh, sacrifice to? Who will you, uh, you know, your life to? Who will you give your affection, your awe to? That's the point of this book. It's the question of, of who you will worship. Let me end with this last quote. This is from Johnson. Uh, it's entitled, The Apocalypse of Jesus Christ. This tells me that if we read this book rightly, we will end up at the feet of Jesus. If we end up anywhere else but at the feet of Jesus, we've read the book wrongly. If after reading this book, we are preoccupied with knowing what 666 means or who wins the battle of Armageddon, and those are good things to know. But if that's what we're preoccupied with, then we haven't read the book right. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.